0: Hi, all, Tu Lee here, one half of the China EVs and More duo. Lee and I have been brainstorming about different ways to bring you, our audience, relevant and compelling content about the China EV, AV, and mobility sectors, especially now that a number of companies that we've tracked over the 80 plus China EVs and More episodes have become global phenomena. So I'm very pleased to introduce our latest. China EV's a more max episode, where we bring you conversations we've had with special guests from the EV, A V and Mobility Space. In this episode, we speak with Dr. Jun Pei, co founder CEO of Septon, one of the world's leading LIDAR companies. Septon revealed in late twenty twenty one when it filed papers for its SPAC merger that, starting in twenty twenty three, it's going to supply up to 9 GM models with its LiDAR technology. With ADAS features becoming ubiquitous now on even mass-market low-priced vehicles, it's no surprise that some research firms are forecasting a compound annual growth rate of 19% over the next several years, growing the LiDAR space to an almost $7 billion market by 2030. The future is truly bright for Septon. Here's our sit-down with Dr. Jun Pei. Apologies for some of our audio issues. June, yeah. thank you for having us. And I know Septon is on the verge of gaining some traction with some 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 clients. And meeting you in person uh, is a pleasure. So thank you. Can you please tell us a little bit about yourself? And your company, Septon.
1: Yeah. Well, oh, thank you for, for coming to uh, our lovely Detroit office. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, this is uh, my first time to be in this office space. Uh, we used to have uh, somewhat a smaller office uh, in the past few years, and we just had a significant expansion. So you see this. It uh, looks great. Uh, yeah. In fact, uh, if you look at the, all the LIDAR companies out there, I believe we have the biggest presence in Detroit, which is the uh, the car place uh, right. in North America. So, um, in fact, I was actually uh, having a few meetings yesterday and was obviously very notable OEM customers. And, and they were all commenting on this uh, support infrastructure mm-hmm. that we have in the Detroit office. So this speaks volumes for for Sepong, uh, which is, uh, you know, we started as a LiDAR company six years ago, was the, the main focus on making LiDARs for the ADAS industry, which is very different uh, in those days. Uh, if you recall, six years ago, there was a huge uh, bandwagon of autonomous vehicles, you know, that uh, yeah. the fully autonomous vehicles will be everywhere in a couple of years, right. like 2018, 2019, right around the corner. <laughs> we... Maybe I'm too old. I was just saying that I, you know, came from China many, many, thirty-some years ago. I was, uh, you know, my name is Jun J U N in Chinese. Uh, that's a very much of a Cultural Revolution name. Uh, I was born in the '60s, so that gives, uh, you know, gives you a little history of uh, uh, my background. Uh, with, uh, with with the age and with my, you know, thirty years of experience as an engineer, I didn't believe. At the time when we started the company, that the fully autonomous vehicles will be anytime soon. So, but I actually still believed uh, then and now that lidar will actually become a safety device first okay. for vehicles, and that uh, the application uh, will be championed in uh, the ADAS industry, and that's where we set up the company to do. You know, the focus, the thesis of Septon itself is uh, is actually to do a lidar for everyday vehicles for consumer vehicles. And actually, I want to correct your pronunciation of Septon, C-E-P-T-O-N. Oh, okay, yep. it's, it's actually not too much of a correction, just an uh, explanation of what Septon is. You know, at the time when we started the company, we would come up with a name. And uh, the, the purpose for us is to come up with uh, something that will perceive the world with a 3D fidelity. And that's part of perception. CEP is part of the word perception. Mm -hmm. And ON is this uh, Latin ending, like uh, electron, photon, Mm -hmm. atom, you know, an element. So septon really implies an element of perception. Mm -hmm. That's what uh, the the company name is. So that's how we started. Uh, We want to create an element of perception for the ADAS industry, and that is LiDAR. And that's what we focused on, working on, and uh Put our our money behind uh, this effort and eventually capturing the, uh, the the ultra cruise program from General Motors. Uh, that's mm-hmm. uh, you know our uh, flagship program. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have publicized that and it will be deployed the next year uh, with. Uh, that's really cool. With, that's very uh, cool. Yeah, with subcon LiDAR inside. So kind of in a nutshell, uh, I, I grew up in in China, uh, came to the states. Uh, in 1989,
2: which is a very notable year yes. Yes. Uh, for many uh, reasons. Uh, uh, came here uh, as an undergraduate, in fact, uh, studying physics and
1: computer science. Eventually, I graduated uh, from Brandeis uh, in, <laughs> in the Boston area. But really hated the weather here, so I'm afraid uh, uh, California has this attraction to me. Because I went to Stanford for graduate school, got my PhD there in optical electrical engineering. Ah. So that's uh, where I call home, Silicon Valley now. And there's a lot of Stanford uh, lineage uh, uh, in our company. Uh, you know, my my co-founder uh, Mark McCord uh, actually when I was a student at Stanford, he was a Professor at oh, Stanford. Mm. Uh, so uh, you, you know, I was uh, in a way a student. Uh, and later on, you know, we worked, uh, I worked for him. He was my boss at uh, a semiconductor company mm. working in the electron optics area. And one way or the other, you know, the, the uh, after many, many years, uh, we converged and started
2: town together six years ago. So, uh, yeah, just kind of in a nutshell, very quickly uh, recapping uh, a lot of
0: pieces of history. Very cool. Great. Um, great. (laughs) The weather, the the time I spent in Silicon Valley, the weather is perfect. Three hundred days a year, it's Uh, between sixty and ninety degrees, and uh, yeah, so I miss it a little bit too. Uh, Yeah, there's the weather, but uh, you know, I I, I, this is my very much personal feeling that uh,
1: there are only two places in the uh, the states that I call melting pot, and that's New York City and Silicon Valley, Mm -hmm. where you know, I obviously I grew up in China. I speak with a very different accent than many other of my colleagues and friends. Uh, but whether you're from China, you're from Japan, you're from India, you're from Europe. Uh, uh, nobody, when, when we work together, when we see each other, whether it's in a uh, working place or outside, nobody considers you as a foreigner. You you are you know a member right.
3: of Silicon Valley. Same thing in New York City. I feel the Tell same them way. Tell me about the American Pie. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, right?
2: What's your you
0: know, story So uh, very quickly, uh, my my father was in the South Vietnamese Air Force, and so we were sponsored by family in Michigan. Mm. And I'm the youngest of eight, and uh, so I came over when I was pretty young. I'm old now, but and uh, so. I didn't become a U.S. citizen until I turned 19. And that was right in Detroit at the federal building. And so I, I did my pledge and uh, the judge was like, now you're as American as apple pie. And he said, don't let anyone tell you any different. And I think that's really important for immigrants to really understand that it doesn't matter where you were born. If you're American, you're American. And it's just, you know, because that was... Yeah, anyways but uh, so i thought that was pretty important for me to hear at that Yeah time. it's actually
1: wow. a rather touching point uh, you know as a uh, company founder as a business leader in the industry for me personally i felt this obligation to support the uh, the immigrants uh, to support the mm-hmm. spirit yes. of people coming to the US uh, coming to the silicon valley especially for technical people to realize okay. their dreams so that's actually Continuing, you know, if you look at our company makeup, uh, it's very supportive uh, for high tech immigrants, uh, especially. And of course, that goes back to you know my my Stanford days. Uh, sure. Uh, you, you were just mentioning like, actually my professor who actually signed my PhD thesis. Uh, he was originally from Lebanon. Yeah, so uh, he's already a retired professor at Stanford, uh, but. You know, it's a multicultural place that fosters the, the growth, both in technical and and you know and culturally. Uh, I think Silicon Valley is this uh, this wonderful place uh, uh, to develop technologies. Um, and for me, uh, after I graduated, uh, uh, I spent uh, a decade uh, in a semiconductor company, equipment company, to do electron uh, electron optics. Uh, that those are the years. Uh, you know, I get uh, sharpened my Skills are uh, both in uh, technology as well as management. And then, as many many uh, graduates from Stanford, uh, almost everybody, especially in electrical engineering, had the spirit of starting something of your own. Yes,
3: yeah. So, so, so uh, Septon maybe is not you know it's decades in the making. If you think about your past, well, uh, right, because you, you have to build up that understanding and experience, it, and then you figure out what to do with it actually right. yes
1: uh, on the other right. hand uh, it's also everybody's uh, path uh, becoming a you know an entrepreneur is slightly different uh, for me i was uh very much uh down to earth in terms of working for a company uh, trying to grow my career path uh, you know climbing the ladders uh, whatnot but then when i realized that uh, yeah i can explore something else uh, um i actually started uh, by exploring small companies first, and then uh, started a small company that uh, actually specialized in optical instrument. Uh, Actually, Subcon is my second company. Mm -hmm. So I had a a first company that ran for quite a number of years and reasonably successfully made some money for my family (laughs) in a very small scale. It's a mom and pop shop. Uh, There was no investment, no VC involvement at all it was just uh, me and my
0: wife uh, sometimes that's better because the pressure from external money is a well, s-
1: it's a different yeah. type of pressure yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, you're basically working with your own you know family money so you, you know obviously you don't have a, a you know nine to five mentality anymore every day is a working day every hour every waking hour is a working hour yeah. uh, so it's a different pressure you, you only need to answer to yourself yes which is um, you know somewhat uh, it's, it's an interesting time. So we uh, we actually did quite well for, uh, you know, four or five years and accumulated some money, family money. That actually enabled uh, me and, you know, my partners and co-founders to cover the initial funding for SEPTA. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the very first batch of uh, small amount of money came from, you know, friends and family started uh, six some years ago. Mm-hmm. And then we actually... Realized, oh, whoa, this, uh, LiDAR industry is, uh, is going to be big. Right. So let's, right. uh, take in some real serious money and uh, expand the team. So we grew, you know, I still remember the, the, the day we had our first meeting of Septon was four people. And now, you know, we're actually, you know, moving towards 200 people now. So it's uh, it was presence, uh, obviously in Silicon Valley as the headquarter. but uh, you know, in Michigan here, in in Germany, in uh, India, in China, in Japan. So it's, uh, it's truly global. global. Yeah, it's, it's a global uh, presence now. You know, actually, our biggest office uh, outside of Silicon Valley is here. Mm, right. In Detroit. Okay. So right. it's a quite a, quite a journey. Although, you know, if you consider six years uh, till today, you know, we're a public company mm-hmm. now listed in NASDAQ. Uh, we actually captured a very big program from GM, you know, that is uh, sourced uh, for practically the next, next decade. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're actually so sourced for that program. All of these uh, seemingly uh, is very fast for six years, but six years is actually also pretty long. Period by Silicon Valley
3: standard. Yes, yes. yes. Let's get into LIDARs. How would you describe the current state of the LIDAR sector? And, you know, it's forecasted to grow substantially toward the later half of the decade, right? And we already know competitors, they are also in different programs from different, you know, global NAMs. And when do you think lidar will become ubiquitous technology on a smart EV, and at what price point?
1: So let me basically uh, talk about uh, my view of the current states of the lidar industry first. That that's kind of your first part of the question. I think I carry you know uh, more or less of an insider view uh, of this entire business uh, sector, and. There is a, a history, you know. I actually spent uh, quite a few years uh, working as uh, as a VP of engineering at Velodyne in the uh, okay. you know, a dozen years <laughs> ago. Uh, that's
0: my early career with lidar, of course. Well, I, I read that you were part of the DARPA challenge yes, team. Uh, I was very much I'd love to hear uh, more about that. Because I'm, uh, I'm a Carnegie Mellon grad in business school. <laughs> oh, you went to CMU. Yeah, okay. for business school. And so we learned about that, Red Whitaker and those guys. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, it was an
1: uh, interesting story uh, that I was uh, working in the semiconductor industry, trying to explore some other interesting uh, career paths. Uh, and uh, one of my Hobby interest was looking at the DARPAR program and how they competed. Uh, and then, uh, you know, through Grapevines, uh, I got to know uh, Mr. David Hall, okay. the founder of Velodyne, because he was yep. actually with uh, his brother Bruce Hall playing around with the LIDAR for that program. And they had the Velodyne truck. And somehow we got uh, together and talked about uh And uh, basically, uh, I ended up working for him. Uh, and I actually uh, had an acoustic background from school. And when I started working for Velodyne, a major part of my Responsibility was actually working on loudspeakers. Mm-hmm. If you didn't know, uh, Valodyne for many many years was a loudspeaker company. I yes. Didn't know. Yeah, it it exactly. I didn't know that. Yeah. So so, uh, so my 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 you know engineering effort was uh, a lot of it was on acoustics, uh, but then uh, lidar started more or less as a hobby project, uh, and then eventually I was involved in developing the HDL64, the big uh, yeah, the Microsoft. yeah as we call it the big spinning doorknob
2: on, <laughs> on top of cars uh very popular product that was surprised how long lasting that product has been It's dozen years of
1: uh you know continuous production of that thing we uh you know david uh basically championed and uh, i worked for him for that process it was you know Quite a history, but then I actually left Velodyne many years ago uh, to start my own optical company. That's uh, you know my first company, and uh, ran on that. Only you know 2016 I came back to this uh, to this industry, starting Saptang, uh, in a way actually competing with uh, Saptang, (laughs) uh, competing with Velodyne on this uh, on many fronts. Uh, But the lidar industry, coming back to our topic. Uh, has morphed, uh, you know, into, I consider three phases. There will be a fourth phase, uh, that I, I can also, you know, envision and talk about it. The, the first phase, uh, is actually around 2015, 2016, when we started the company and there's just a bunch and bunch of, uh, LIDAR companies popping up uh, with all the investment, uh, into this industry. And that's when I call it this uh, technology competition phase. That everybody is trying to come up with uh, a new technology and saying that we're the best and we're no different. We came up with something called MMT, Micromotion right. Technology, mm-hmm. and that we, I'm sure we're going to talk about it. Yep. And, and and then uh, we
2: all kind of uh, sat in front of the uh, investors saying, okay, this is going to be big. Uh, please uh, give us money or
1: we'll develop this technology and so on and so forth. So that's, a, that's kind of a, a massive, uh, uh, scattered technology computation phase, but what is uh, you know uh, a win for a technology? It's not me pumping my chest and saying, "Okay, we have the best uh, you know best nuts and bolts uh, uh, or best optics." Uh, it's nobody really understand what that is. The only validation for a technology is a commercial design win. It's a commercial so,
2: validation. Mm-hmm. So that's where you know people start to enter into the second phase. Uh, there were about uh, you know, 60,
1: 70 LiDAR companies uh, by, the, uh, by 2017, 2018 ish. Uh, those two years just uh, popping up uh, really like crazy.
0: With Velodyne really being a leader back then? At the
1: time. Yes. At the time. At the time. At the time. At the time yes. And then the second phase uh, is uh, really started from 2018, 2019, uh, especially highlighted by the end of 2019 where septum was awarded the gm contract so this is a uh, you, you suddenly go from 70 lidar companies uh, down to a handful mm-hmm. you know how many companies uh, would I actually have a design with right and that would be Innovis, for example with bmw uh, at the time and then uh, uh, Luminar was yep. uh, Volvo, Volvo, and yeah. then Septon was uh, GM. So of course, uh, GM you know had the biggest uh, uh, conglomerate of car models and car platforms uh, that covers uh, basically you needed know, this uh, ultra cruise platform mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. will exist in many cars. So we enjoy that quite a bit. So that got us into at least a small part of companies into the second phase I call, you know, this commercial validation, commercial design win validation of a technology. But after that, uh, I think it's still kind of morphing. There's still some design wins uh, being awarded here and there. The big ones are very rare and, you know, far in between. Uh, We entered into a third phase. We had the technology competition phase. We had the commercial validation phase. And now the third phase is what we call execution phase. So you have your design win, you know, like for us, uh, we had the design win awarded to us in December of twenty nineteen. What is it now? Almost three years. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so with all these time passed, is uh, is the execution? You know, having a, a good technology, a commercial uh, design win award we need to actually finally make this product right. so that it exists on cars, it can roll out the production line. Mm-hmm. And that is certainly not a trivial process. Uh, we've gone through, you know, uh, various mm-hmm. sample stage. There's uh, a sample, e-sample, yeah. sample. and then we're actually uh, way into the, uh, the product intense samples. Uh, uh,
3: I just came back uh, from Japan a few weeks ago and you probably. Oh, there was a conference, right? You no, no,
1: no, You're, you're uh, probably aware that our design win with uh, General Motors is uh, with a Japanese uh, tier one company called Koito Manufacturing.
3: Koito, yeah. The, the, yeah, okay. Right. Yeah, I know. So,
1: so uh, it's actually a huge backbone for us. Koito uh, uh, Manufacturing partnered with us uh, to uh, capture this GM design yeah. win. So we are actually the tier two company okay. supplying the tier one company Coito, and Coito as a tier one company supplying General Motors.
0: So it was a directed buy from GM. Correct. Okay.
1: So uh, the uh, this this whole structure is very classical in the automotive industry. Yep. You know, I, I do have to mention a few words about uh, why it needs to be a tier one. Why can't uh, you know Septon by itself uh, supply to uh, General Motors? Uh, We just make some parts uh, from our contract manufacturers uh, and assemble them in Silicon Valley, maybe ship to GM, Mm -hmm. you know, Dearborn or uh, other places. Why can't we do that? Well, apart from all the other logistics and uh, production uh, matters, uh, uh, the simple reason for the liability of a safety product, you just cannot be a small company and supply a, a major
3: OE. yeah but did, did but you wipe in, out? But the innovas Volkswagen relationship is a tier, tier one. one. Yeah, so that's interesting.
2: So well, that at least is, they
3: claim yeah. to be a so, tier so one. That uh, <laughs> is
1: a different model. Yeah. Uh, you may actually look at, uh, their previous model. I believe, uh, you know, was, with, with, uh, BMW, with yep. Magna. Uh, yeah, uh, yep. yep. And that, seemingly uh, have uh, disappeared uh, from the radar screen and they are becoming tier one themselves. Mm-hmm. So it's actually, uh, a, in this industry, it's very challenging to work with, more challenging to work with tier ones than uh, with OEMs, I have mm-hmm. to say, because tier 1s are finally responsible for the liability sure. of the product, for the cost, and for, you know, for for, for basically overall uh, delivery. Yeah. So that's, that's a challenging process. But coming back to the execution phase, uh, you know, uh, as I have already mentioned, the, the entire, after you have uh, the design win, to make it into a car production line is a three to four year process. Now, not to mention all the details in terms of component uh, procuring, you know, given all the challenges, so you have having the tier one, being at the front line, managing all this. I mean, Coito has been a supplier for GM for many
2: decades. Yes. And that actually established a path for
1: success. And then you still have to work through this validation of your final product, uh, you know, from your supply chain all the way to technical viability. Uh, these are just kind of a
2: wheel turning for a good part three to four years. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, then you have a solid product coming out, and uh,
1: the vehicles that we're aiming for is uh, rolling out uh, next year. You know, you probably heard uh, sure. uh, models like Solistic. Yeah, so, uh, so these are uh, these are the, uh, the 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 execution phase is. Uh, you know my my career is is really interesting when when i graduated from stanford sorry to digress for a little bit i was given a title uh, senior research scientist how glorious is that you know it's just so fantastic i was so in love with my business card uh and then you know after a couple of years uh, in the semiconductor equipment in, industry i became a system engineer and i then i realized it's much harder to be an engineer than a research scientist. <laughs> one is actually you publish paper. Yeah, it's like the a other hungry, is actually okay? make product. Yes. And then another couple of years. Guess what? I became a manufacturing engineer. <laughs> it looks like my career is yeah, going downhill. Sure.
3: Downhill, yeah.
1: But God, it was so much more difficult to be a manufacturing engineer to actually make the delivery. So the analogy there is very much um, that I realize, you know, having the technology invent something, patent it at the early phase of the LiDAR industry or specifically for SEPA, it's, it's not that difficult. <laughs> okay, you just write things and you, you publish and you file your patent. And then you have a design win. Oh, okay, you need to get into some fighting mode to, to actually compete with your competitors and really come on top. We did that. That was pretty hard. What's harder is actually the execution phase. Is is the manufacturing of these things? I think seemingly my career is going downhill again, <laughs> but it's not. It's really the delivery. So these three phases I call them: technology competition, commercial validation, and execution. Is one
0: is harder than the other? Say what you will about Elon, love him, hate him. You know, no one really appreciated how difficult mass production or mass was or is until he said. You know, building one prototype is easy. Building the same product thousands of times with the same quality and reliability is really, really difficult. And so that's where I don't think Silicon Valley appreciates the legacies very well, because in Silicon Valley, you contract manufacture that out. And so you don't you don't actually get your hands dirty, generally speaking, right? The contract manufacturer manages most of that stuff for you. And so Totally agree.
1: Yeah, so there is a saying, you know, in, in, in our smaller circle, that the collaboration or the partnership between Seppal, which is a Silicon Valley company of six years old, with Koito Manufacturing of Japan, a Tier One company in Japan of hundred ten year old, mm. is a, you know is a very old company marrying a very young company. And actually, this kind of uh, collaboration is indeed a marriage of uh, two fronts. Mm-hmm. One is the frontier in technology development; the other is actually a solid anchor in manufacturing know-how and capability, and and you know all the financial backings uh, uh, to to make this program successful. So this is a where we shine is these three phases. Uh, if you look at uh, you know the the other. Equivalent design wins, whether it's a Volvo with BMW. I mean, BMW announced their design win 2017. What is it? 2022 now? And I still don't see a BMW car with a lighter out there. They will come out, but it's, you know, much longer mm-hmm. than the three years or three sure. four years we have gone through. So the execution phase is much harder. It's much longer. And, um, uh, you know, we certainly feel very confident, and comfortable almost uh, at this point, uh, seeing You know, as I went to Japan a few weeks back and actually saw what they call the Septon production line in Koito manufacturing, and this is in uh, Shizuoka prefecture in Japan, south of Tokyo, and you'll see uh, a huge production line for our LiDAR just turning Mm -hmm. through all the parts. Um, So they're your CM? It's not CM. It's actually CM is a contract manufacturer. <laughs> right. They are the tier one. Okay. <laughs> they are actually uh, our customer. Okay. Yeah. Uh, contract manufacturer would be our vendor. Mm-hmm. Right. We actually do right. use uh, uh, contract manufacturer. So we had some announcement uh, earlier on that uh, we're using FabriNet from Thailand to uh, make some uh, okay. uh, you know components uh, as well as sub modules, uh, sub assemblies. Uh, but then you know. Subcon would put our uh, stamp on them, uh, whether it's a software, you know, the, the or some you know know-how in the assembly, mm-hmm. and then we provide these over to Koito. Koito is the final assembler. They are responsible for putting these parts together right. and uh, get them qualified. So okay. and vouch for okay. reliability. Uh, and the liability overall and delivered to GM. So, you know, the initially uh, all the LiAR stuff for the Ultra Cruise
3: system will be manufactured in Japan. Okay, oh, so it's okay. like an assembly line with your step-down part. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. Like a yeah. normal... Yeah. You know, like like a normal tier one, two... Exact tier system. system.
1: Okay. So this is where... I think if you look at the industry right now, you know, we probably enjoy the, the closest relationship with a tier one, a traditional tier one company. Uh, and we certainly didn't venture, you know, with all these um, this risks and this complexity. We just talked about the manufacturing. Uh, we didn't think uh, it's best use of our investment money to become a tier one manufacturing
3: company. Right. Especially so, so the Septon LiDAR itself will be manufactured at the Koi? In Shizuoka factory okay. in Japan.
1: Okay. okay. And, and uh, it will become a Koito product oh, okay. with uh, Septon's uh, Inside. Uh, parts. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) And uh, technology, obviously, uh, and then eventually deliver to GM worldwide.
0: Ah, okay. That's a. So they're licensing your technology.
1: More than just licensing. Not only uh, they license, they actually have to purchase critical components and sub assemblies from us. Got it. Where the tier two, you know, a a very good example is that, uh, you know, our LiDAR has the MMT technology, all of these things uh, that we publicize. But uh, we said uh, a little bit less about it, is There's this critical component, the uh, ASIC chip, yes. that actually right. is the, the the soul of uh, our LiDAR. Mm-hmm. Uh, that It captures all the signal, calibrates them, and coordinate the, the, the structure, uh, and eventually pump out the point cloud. It's all because of this little chip. And obviously, that chip is a septum product, and we sell it to Coito as part oh. of the... Uh, Assembly that happens okay. over there. So, uh, so you guys are chip designers too, then? We are very much of a chip designer, actually. Okay. That's, or you can say, the chip designer nowadays is more of a intelligence designer. Okay, you, got know, it. you fuse all of your know-how into software, firmware, and eventually. It becomes a, a chip that can carry out these uh, tasks mm-hmm. in an intelligent way. Uh, we certainly don't uh, fabricate the chip ourselves. So we have a foundry uh, that eventually realizes our design and that uh, the chip that, uh, you know, I, I talked a bit about this chip was uh, really fascinating that has all these functions uh, uh, of analog front end all the way to the, uh, you know, we have arms core processors right. at okay. the back end when these things all come together, it's a sesame-sized chip a millimeter by two millimeters uh, that costs a little over a dollar a piece. So this is where we actually can capture the GM win. We can have a price advantage. I mean, this whole LiDAR design thing, you know, we'll we'll dive into that, uh, I'm sure. Uh, it's uh, it's all about how you balance things. Uh, if you don't, Trittles. you have yeah, you have the yeah, best sure. yeah. uh, image, the best uh, technology that Range, is for straight shuttle right. shuttle. No use for cars if it costs more than a mm-hmm. few hundred dollars
3: I think that was also Omar's point yeah. as well. well, and you, and you can't have the best or the perfect product.
0: Actually. So the, the we we also interviewed uh, Maxwell Joe, who's the founder CEO of DeepRoute, mm-hmm. and. He has an entire hardware software stack, and he was telling us the solid state LIDARs, I think he put three of them, and they were probably less than $800 each. And they're trying to squeeze that down even further uh, to make their hardware software stack affordable to many OEMs so that it becomes standard eventually on smart, even the mass market priced uh, EVs. So, which is the
3: next part of the question that I asked? The the fourth phase, the commercialization, right. The volumes. That, that, that's so exactly right. The ubiquity. How long is that going to take? What's your prediction?
1: My my uh, my view on the you know we talked about the first phase, second phase, sure. the third phase, which is the execution Correct. phase, is still you know ongoing, and uh, you know there are only going to be you know one or two companies really that can be successful right. in the execution phase. So there's another phase. And I simplify it. You know, you you, you talk about thickness uh, or, you know, uh, what price range and all that. The fourth, and I feel is the final phase of a LiDAR program, is you got to make money.
2: Hmm.
1: <laughs> How about that? <laughs> I just simply put it uh, as a, uh, okay. you got to make money. That's fair. At the end of the day, you know, if you're not making money, it's not a success. You're a science project. <laughs> <laughs> so... So after all the hardship you've gone through with the initial technology invention, capturing design when execute program, you still have to make sure that things are balanced out, that you have some, you know, some profit to be made uh, at the end. Uh, and that's, uh, will be proven to be even more challenging. You know, uh, it's not only unique to the LiDAR industry, you know, even the car OEMs. At the end of the day, they need to make money. So uh, how much your LiDAR cost is there? You know, if you have, I can tell you today, if you have over $1,000 LiDAR, uh, you have no market for it. Yeah. So uh, can you actually get the reasonable sales with $500 LiDAR? Yes. The answer is yes. But then the challenge is uh, how are you going to make... Reduce your costs. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. To to, to get uh, to that point. And, of course, uh, everybody has a dream of a $100 LiDAR. So that actually is even more challenging in terms of uh, how to you know, draw a profit out of that.
3: I remember two years ago, or in 2020, the CES that I went, uh, the former CEO of Velodyne, he he held up a $100 LiDAR. I thought that was one of those moments, right? But. What happened afterwards, uh, you know? <laughs> well, the story is a completely <laughs> right. different topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can yeah. to talk you know, I... I <laughs> but um, it just makes me think, I'm,
1: you know, to, to, to... I'm still very much a friend of David Hall, uh, but, you know, he There's has, a lot of drama involved. in the last
0: two years, story, right? right? Yeah, that's wow. a It's really, really really really
1: interesting, it interesting industry, yeah. I'm sure. In the, uh, you're familiar with China EV industry, there's sure. a lot of, That's why we're talking about China
0: So, yeah, that's... Well, that's our sweet spot. We hear a lot of <laughs> yeah. things, yeah. yeah. But I think I think what's important is you're the first person, June, that has really talked about how lidar is for ADAS. You know, uh, I think most lidar companies try to just glaze over the the ADAS bridge to level three, level four uh, autonomy. And so, I feel the longer that runway is, the better chance the Septon has to be very profitable. Because we're still 15 years away from level f- complete level four, point to point, at least 15 years. Um, why,
1: why do you say that? Uh, actually, uh, let's uh, spend a few minutes of that 15 years. W- w- what makes you think it's going to be 15 years?
0: Well, I don't disagree. I'll tell you my reason in mm-hmm. just a little bit, but I'd like to hear. It. Well, for me, it's I won't say it's a random uh, amount of time, but... There's regulations and and i I and it's more about you saying everybody two years ago, three years ago said it's right around the corner, and how I follow the sector, there's many different use cases, and the ultimate is the Robo taxi, but that also means there needs to be plenty of data for every single edge case and use case, and as we're still looking at the pilots in cities like Arizona where and we live in Michigan, right? And so there are going to be many edge cases that still need a ton of data that aren't even being looked at right now.
1: And yeah. so... Uh, no, I agree with you 100% there, but I'll elaborate on, you know, the the data part, mm-hmm. which at least to my reason of coming up was more or less the same, you know, my my time frame is 16 years. So look more. an engineer. You're
0: an engineer, I'm not an engineer, so. <laughs> if you hear
1: me out on the reason uh, of this 16 years, uh, and you'll, you'll see there's a logic to it. And I started with a fundamental hypothesis, which I'm sure you'll agree, that when there is a level four or level five vehicles out there, the fundamental requirement is actually this vehicle is safer than a human driver. Yes. It, so this is a very much uh, uh, you know uh, obvious to everyone that if it's less safe than you drive yourself, uh, then you actually drive yourself. So everybody agrees with this hypothesis. So I start from there. Is the safety level of a fully autonomous vehicle has to be higher than a human driver, then you can start looking at the data. You know, you look at it, 2015, or maybe even a little earlier, the human safety level is here. And your autonomous system is actually down there, 2016, 2017. Every year, you can get a little bit of data, mm-hmm. and I did this exercise, and look at, oh, it's actually the trajectory is getting better and better. It's aiming towards that threshold that is actually going to exceed someday that will become a better driver than human. Then you plot this line, and you extrapolate where that is. That's, that's 16 a, years. <laughs> I, I didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> that that's so, so I think that's the logic I have. Uh, and you can actually, uh, of <laughs> course, uh, you know, extrapolation is very dangerous. Uh, you can have errors. Sure, sure. sure. Uh, but that's uh, it's not going to be tomorrow.
3: Right. Uh, I yeah, I think one example I wanted to throw out there is if you look at the example of the Xpeng P5 that was announced as one of the first vehicles with the Levox flight out, right? Right. They had the city MGP function announced in April 2021, and that still hasn't become available. They're still doing the testing. Yeah. And right, it's going to be probably around two years after they announced that this thing will actually, what they call the all scenario door to door, but it's still L2, right? Because you have to right. pay attention. That's still not available. So let me tell right. so, you about uh,
1: you know, the the other side of this um, perspective. That is, uh, you know, Septon, as I have mentioned at the very beginning mm-hmm. of this conversation, we started with the aim of delivering lidar as a safety device for the ADAS uh, yep. uh, industry. You know, obviously, our design wing, General Motors, mm-hmm. is uh, is a, you know, ultra cruise is an ADAS function. True. You know. It's not level three. It's level two plus or yep. level three plus. I minus think it's similar
3: to the all scenario. Like yeah. is, you know, so,
1: so what's the aspiration there? You know, I have. Uh, uh, I'll give you one example from a very notable OEM. Just don't want to disclose the name. That they have the aspiration of the next five to ten years. They didn't want to, you know, accomplish the goal of point to point, you know, transportation. They want to accomplish the goal. Of reducing the accident by 90%.
3: Okay. Very no specific again. Right. So
1: isn't that a nice goal to have? You know, if you can reduce the accident by 90%, you know, that's one out of 10 times, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's from, from the current status. That's a great thing. So with that, they did a study of what we need what kind of sensors or software and other stacks that you need to do obviously you need cameras and you need the uh, radar and they studied to depth i think this related to one of your questions uh, uh lidar or no lidar so they studied uh, in depth of uh, these functions and realized that with camera and radar you can only reach 50% of reduction in accident rate the rest of the 40% you have to fuse it with something else okay. so it's just like your your you know as a human your sensor you have nose you have eyes you have ears these are all your sensory right. system can little live, redundancy little yeah bit. can you live without your eyes only your ears yeah you can to a certain extent uh or you know without mm-hmm. you you want the whole sensor to to be functional mm-hmm. to get to the 90 uh safety range uh, and that's where lidar kicks in is to get you know, uh, seemingly a trivial thing is like, okay, the camera and the radar will take the majority of the thing, but it's the minority that gets you to the safety level, yes. that gets you the adoption of a such, such a system. So, it's, as you said, it's the edge cases. Those are the most important cases. Yes. Not in the everyday.
0: And I think. The the other part of the edge cases in the automotive space is that, you know, I almost look at it as a, an upside down normal distribution curve, whereas the edge cases have the highest potential for fatalities or, you know, serious injuries, you know, because driving in snow, not everybody does it. But guess what? If you lose control, you could hit three, four five cars and it could potentially be fatal. And so uh, I think that's an important distinction where most product managers, when they look at edge cases for... Uh, the iPhone or something like that, it's, you know, it's a nice to have feature that you accommodate this edge case, but it's not going to endanger anyone, right? And so I think many folks don't have an appreciation for this edge case is actually very, very serious and it needs to be taken seriously before we say there's a point to point level four RoboTax that you can just get in order at any time you want and it'll drop you off anywhere anytime in any weather or, or so uh,
1: so so looking back to the uh the original question I, I think uh, lidar will be ubiquitous uh it will be there for the future of vehicles uh there is no doubt about that not so much uh, for the you know grand aspiration of uh, fully autonomous systems just as a digital safety device uh that uh, you know makes your driving experience uh uh much more pleasant and much more secure, that device will be there. It will be actually because
0: You know, it's funny that there is one automotive manufacturer that doesn't think they need LIDAR.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, yeah. well, this uh, is another debate. Yeah, that's another like conversation <laughs> to have.
1: Well, I think there are many reasons for Tesla to, to uh, in all, uh, speak, uh, discredit LIDAR in, in you know, more than one occasion. Uh, I'll just uh, illustrate one. I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, non-technical reasons for it. I, uh, I got uh, my Tesla, uh, you know, the first Fashion in <laughs> 2013. Mm. It was not, it was very first fashion. Yeah. And it was, it was good. You know, it's a love and hate. That was right when the it was, S came out, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Right after it came out. But uh, that love and hate relationship is a different, you know, story. But 2015 is the year. I realized, oh, Tesla is going to do full self-driving. And when I get the pamphlet from Tesla as a Tesla owner, and I was told if you buy a Tesla, you know, 2015 onwards, all the hardware are there. You just need in future upgrades to have full Mm self-driving. That will charge you for. Yeah, 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 sure, (laughs) sure. But all the hardware, I don't have to bring the car back to the dealer and install a new device to make it self-driving. So all the hardware is there. So that was actually etched in stone, so I'm afraid lidar was not there as part of the hardware spread. right mm-hmm. so it's a little bit boxed in uh for that purpose uh I think there is uh you know a, a, a scenario that you know when our lidar comes out uh uh with gm ultra cruise so uh, with this large volume deployment and it cost only a few hundred dollars a piece, and it actually can reduce the accident rate uh, by you know. Mm 80-90%, would you rather pay an extra few hundred dollars for it? Sure. I think that question
0: is actually, it's not even a question. Mm. So, I think that's the actual head-scratcher, why one person or one company can't just say, you know what, we changed our opinion on this, but that would also mean that they either need to bring in these vehicles and get them upgraded, or change their entire process for autonomous driving. Mm -hmm. So...
1: I actually wouldn't be surprised if, uh, one day, that is the reality. You know, hey, you know, we have a, a change. We have a change of thought process because LiDAR is uh, so prevalent now. Mm-hmm. We're going to adopt it as well. So I, I think uh, it's, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if one day that's happening. Yeah. You know, One of the privilege I realized that being a founder and CEO of a company it's, uh you're free to admit your mistakes. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is the, the last worry I have is to claim that uh, I'm doing something wrong. <laughs> and let's change it. Because uh, nobody is going to fire me <laughs> because I have admit uh, sure. a mistake. So, yeah, I, I think I do that often. I'm not going to be surprised if uh, others uh, do the same.
3: So the, the execution with GM, so there's the... That the 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 safety with the passenger vehicles and just to confirm you also have the cruise mm-hmm. origin, is that correct? Or no? Are you do also doing a robotaxi? taxi? No. No, we're not. We're not. So we're right now, because
0: cruiser they right. they act like separate entities. So you're
3: fo- we're not solely level four. you're solely focused
1: on ADAS. Yeah. Uh okay. They're solely working on the <laughs> projects
3: that will eventually lead us making money. Okay. So what is what do you think currently is the biggest hurdle or biggest bottleneck in this execution phase, moving on to the next phase. Uh, maybe we'll get into the the technology route a little bit. You know, the, the OPA, the MEMS.
1: Yeah. So, uh, so uh, it's actually always good to emphasize uh, in the spirit of this company that the thesis was on ADAS. Yep. So. Unlike many technology companies in Silicon Valley, that you start with a new invention a technology looking
0: for applications. Frontier tech.
1: This is more of a, okay, we we saw LiDAR has a market for ADAS industry. Let's invent something that's pertinent to be deployed in that industry. That's how MMT, the technology for our scanning, was developed, is actually there's a huge
2: focus on a balance between performance, cost, and reliability. Mm-hmm.
1: After all, we're making a everyday consumer vehicle component. So that's uh, uh, that's the spirit of this invention. MMT to make lidar, you make your decision of what light source you use, what detection source you use, and eventually how you make imaging. So these are the three categories of uh, decisions that you have to make. And for us, uh, for me, you know, who's I've who been studying optics all my life, uh, the first two illumination, you know, the laser source detection are the two wheels that's already invented mm-hmm. you know it was invented in 1960 so right after laser was invented you don't have to worry about them anymore uh, there are still some you know uh, this and that uh, work going on there but for us in the most practical way, is to pick up the most mature components from these two categories. Specifically pick the 905 nanometer as our working guess, okay. Uh This is similar to many other LiDAR companies because sure. it's a very cheap, you know, dollar part automotive grade <laughs> component. <laughs> you pick that. You don't have to re-qualify anything. The detection is the same thing. We use APD, uh, avalanche photodiode as our detection. It's a silicon diode uh, that's already automotive qualified. Uh, you know, mature components, uh, you know, it's less than a dollar a piece. So, so you pick those and focus everything on how to make an image. And that's where, you know, you mentioned MEMS device, uh, you know, uh, rotating, mm-hmm. it whenever, sure, getting, sure. you know, like what I did uh, with Velodyne many, many years ago and OPA's, uh, you know, championed by Quantity many years ago. So all, the, all these uh, would have uh, benefits and deficiencies one, uh, one way or the other. And we came up with something called MMT, micro-motion technology. And it works uh, like a uh, a loudspeaker, you know, like your okay. uh, voice coil over a magnet that once you run current, it will actually move slightly. That's what uh, mm-hmm. we call micro-motion. It's not, if you look at a loudspeaker or something, for, you know, speaker, yes. you mm-hmm. see the motion when yeah. it's actually making sound. But mm-hmm. instead of putting a paper comb on the voice coil to generate sound, we put an optical array on top.
3: Oh,
2: okay.
1: So that starts moving. And just like your loudspeaker, there's no friction, nothing rubbing anything. And the lifetime of this, uh, it is still a mechanical device, just like your loudspeaker. But you know, your loudspeaker actually, uh, in your cars, uh, outlasts your car. Right. And it's very, very reliable device. Mm-hmm. And we capitalize on that and employ that uh, technology, which is well over a century old to the LiDAR industry. And that's the essence of MMT is a voice coil driven optical array that formulates the image so yeah with that it was a very unique uh you know septon has this uh, patent uh, worldwide patent over this technology is very unique that you don't see any other company do you doing know, nice. uh, RoboSense is doing MEMS yeah. uh you yeah. know is doing MEMS uh mm-hmm. and yeah. uh there are you know, uh, rotating uh, lidar sure. is still quite popular sure. yeah. in many applications. Yeah. Uh, so all of these are you know uh, there are many companies competing on the same thing. The MMT is very unique, and that's one of the fundamental reasons uh, we captured the design win. This uh, uh, was this was uh, this technology that is really low cost. Uh, you know, you look at uh, buying a loudspeaker is you know dollar stuff, uh, ten sure. dollar stuff, and then uh, coupled that. Into uh, into a lidar, then you suddenly have uh, a uh, you know a balance between reliability, performance, and cost. Right, and that's another reason Coito can partner with us uh, to manufacture this uh, lidar. I mean, they're after all a Tier One manufacturing company, and every penny is gold to them. Right. They would not venture into manufacturing some component uh, that is actually low yield, yes. difficult uh, to procure. You know, MEMS device is so always a custom you know, mm-hmm. piece uh, that uh, sometimes uh, gets into uh, a lot of difficulties. Uh, certainly, we didn't have the courage to go into that route. We want something simple, something robust, something low cost. So that's that's where we shine. Is uh, we came up with this lidar that actually has the capability. Uh, to hit to the sweet spot. So, in a nutshell, we certainly feel confident uh, where we are today. Especially, we had the almost the shortest execution phase, uh, even though it's uh, three years in the making. Is still, you know, uh, the shortest in this industry uh, compared to some of the earlier announcement. Uh, and having a tier one from Japan, which is a very conservative traditional company, backing us, uh, vouch for our technology back up this production process.
0: Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I sleep very well at night. That. <laughs> That's good to hear. A couple of things, because, so I, I was um, the commodity manager for graphics for Apple. Mm-hmm. So I understand the, the chip making, but I'm also a mentor for some startups. And, uh, you know, a lot of founders tend to try to reinvent the wheel for everything. Like they need to be innovative in everything. And, you know, my basic questions are, why wouldn't you buy that? that bolt off the shelf. Why would you try to find something off the shelf and then really focus on what you're trying to innovate? And so I think, I think that's, that's a terrific strategy that you're like, you know, this is a dollar, this is a dollar and we're going to focus on chip design and we're going to focus on these differentiators that really make a difference. And um, the, the the second part is, are you finding that you're pushing uh, Cojito and, and GM or are you guys working together pretty well from a speed standpoint? Because, the, the the capital intensive industries tend to be more deliberate with their decision making because their decision making costs hundred million dollars, costs two hundred million dollars, costs five hundred million dollars, and so are you finding that the speed at which things are getting done uh, is is pretty equal among the three partners? It's not equal mm-hmm. for sure. It's not equal. Okay.
1: I mean, Silicon Valley companies are very much uh, you know high speed, high yep. intensity. And uh, almost at times, uh, or most of the times, it's a rogue operation. <laughs> yes, uh, where yeah. uh, Kohito and specifically GM would be more much that's more that's of right. a, you know. Methodical. Well, and Koito is, I mean, the Japanese is even more conservative. Yeah. Oh, by than. far, Kohito yeah. even among the uh, the Japanese uh, auto industry, you know, it's uh, is considered as a very methodical, very conservative company. So, how did we get married? I think. Uh, no, we, uh, it, it's, it's not equal at all. But the, the past three years of uh, this, uh, not only collaboration, it's the deep partnership uh, between us, uh, making the Ultra Cruise Program successful has been very satisfying. So, uh, it, it's, uh, yeah, I, I'll emphasize again, it's a satisfying experience uh, that we actually trade these different uh, thought processes you know, different geographical location and different culture, all of these things. are so working together, it turned out to be, uh, again, another balance and a sweet mm. point uh, that we actually strike. Uh, it's not only town always champion something that's great and something that... Uh, uh, will conquer the world, but also a methodical deployment, uh, mechanism with a well established uh, supply chain from Koito. All of these are just wonderful elements uh, coming together. I'm actually happy that we're so different. Hmm. That gives us, uh, you know, more advantage uh, as compared to others. Uh, you know, as you see, there are companies, uh, working with tier one, you know, startup companies working with tier one companies, eventually the relationship would actually fall apart. Yes. For Koito, uh, we came much closer, and you probably realize that Koito invested $50 million into SEPTAM in the Series C phase. This is before we had the GM contract. They mm-hmm. invested another $50 million uh, uh, not too long ago through our IPO process. Mm-hmm. And recently, they just announced the indication for another $100 million investment into SEPTAM. So uh, we are getting closer and closer as a, a very traditional company and a very, you know, frontier Silicon Valley company. You don't find another example. Yeah, you don't. Uh, <laughs> uh, we, we enjoy this very much uh, even though we can be as different as, you know, anybody can tell. Technology company in Silicon Valley, a classic manufacturer in Japan. So, and GM is this another you know, it's our mutual customer that they actually hold both at, they're very traditional, very process oriented, but they at the same time GM is considered as a frontier technology company as cool. well. Cool. They're the most uh, active in adopting the latest and greatest technologies, and that's why they have the super cruise. That's why they will have the ultra cruise. Uh, they are the first one in the massive adoption of lidar. is
0: is a very enjoyable ride so far. Good, good. Let me let me assure you that they're learning as much from you as you are from them and kind of because i think on the high-tech side people don't appreciate what automotive grade means Mm. right because you're not going into a consumer's product you're going into a vehicle that vibrates that shakes that has these sudden uh, and and so i think um a lot of the silicon valley companies that want to get into the automotive space don't understand why there's so many qualifications that need to be done yeah. for their product to, to work on a vehicle. Uh, I want to just chip in the example you know, for
1: that automotive grade uh, components. Uh, if uh, I were asked uh, three years ago, okay, what does it take to make an automotive component? I would say, okay, you got to have a, a wonderful design that balance between cost and reliability and uh, performance and then you got to you know study your temperature sensitivity, you got your shock vibration, yeah. all of these things. Are, that's my answer three years ago. If you ask me the same question again today, what does it take to make a automotive part? My answer is, you got to have a design win and go through it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. Seriously, yeah, you, yeah. you
1: don't know what you don't know.
0: Right, yeah.
1: You know, the answer that I had three years ago was so bookish. So classic uh, from an engineering perspective, you actually, you know, that indicates you didn't know what you were Mm -hmm. talking about. After three years,
0: what we have gone through, I started to get a sense of it. So so a quick story. Uh, First week in the job at General Motors out of university undergrad, I go into the Warren Tech Center and there's a four-man queue and... I'm the fourth person, and they had this department hadn't hired anyone for 15, 20 years. And so each person in that queue besides me had 35 years with the company. And the, one of the older gentlemen, uh, we called him Oli, he asked me to come over. He was like, I can't figure out this email thing. <laughs> he was like, what's going on? And he had a fatal error because we were using Windows machines on his computer. And I was like, you got to turn it off and turn it back come on. He's he was sad. like... You know, I don't get these tech companies because if we bought built a car that only worked half the time, <laughs> we'd be out of business. And so I I really got an appreciation for the automotive space at that point because it just didn't make sense for him that something wouldn't just work. And so so yeah, I, I think we share an appreciation for how difficult it is to enter the automotive space. And, and that's not to say that there are some unnecessary things going on um, that probably hinder the speed or the agility of companies, but there's a fine balance. Yeah, exactly. That's
1: the balance. And uh, I think uh, this three-way working together with GM, Koiho, and us uh, is uh, is finding that balance and hit the sweet spot.
3: Yeah, Maybe a couple more questions. Yeah, a I think we questions. covered pretty much. Uh, obviously, we can't talk about China EVs more <laughs> without talking about China. So, what are the business opportunities there for Septon, and what is your take on these very aggressive, you know, RoboSense's, Husai's, LiBoxes, Huawei? You know,
0: what 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 do you think of this competitive landscape? Let me let me yeah. massage that question. Is the GM contract a global contract, or it, the the, the contract a global contract? It will cover uh, more than just uh, okay
2: G- yeah, here, yeah, right.
0: Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. so but <laughs> yeah. he, he, then it's still uh, you know it's still an question. That, a, yeah, Septon China
1: market. Chinese competitors, uh, and what what's, what's it like uh, for us out mm-hmm. there? You know, we have a China office. Uh, we certainly have our presence over there. And uh, in a way, we're participating in some of the uh, evaluations uh, over in China, over there. Uh, to me, you know, uh, even though I grew up in China uh, many years ago, I already kind of very much uh, localized here in the States. Uh, so China market, to me, is a very peculiar place. It's unlike, uh, uh, Japan market, European market, or the North American uh, yeah. market. Uh, and with the, uh, recent uh, years, uh, the, uh, there are also some, you know, uh, for obvious reasons, uh, there's, uh, geopolitical environment. Yeah. The business
3: environment, is, is, environment. Yeah. It's
1: to shift. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, what I'm trying to arrive at is right now, to U.S. Uh, or Western companies uh, into China, there are uncertainties. That's what I'm trying to arrive at. There are uncertainties uh, ahead of I'm us. Saying he's the saying other,
0: he's, he's the saying, other way around. You're the saying same. it very nicely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, and, and with that uh, said, I think uh, nobody can ignore the China market. It's a huge market. Uh, everybody would like to have a piece of pie and us uh, included in there. Uh but the uncertainties uh brings in a lot of considerations. Uh uh so we are, you know, uh, maybe just quickly jump into the summary. We're moving forward in China, but we're moving forward cautiously.
0: Yeah, well you know, and I think so in twenty twenty-two the in the global NEVs, new energy vehicles, let's just loosely say new energy vehicles. I think we're gonna see China leading the way at around 6.2, six 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 cars. 6.5, 6.7, yeah. probably
3: um, will be very high, high up there. So the global
0: market probably going to be around 10-ish. Yeah. And so China will hold about 60-65% of that market. But I do think, you know, Ford was pretty intelligent by going F-150 first. But I, I, I believe, and I've been kind of bringing in some new train of thought, I think GM... Is going to be leader because they did clean sheet and said, we're going to go EV platform with all of our new vehicles. And so that's why they're launching the Blazer. They're launching. So I think there's a huge opportunity for Septon to grow with GM. I have no idea how GM is going to get to that 30,000 price point and the 3,000 price point uh, yet because battery prices in the short term are actually increasing. And so I think there's going to be a squeeze on on, on their ability to, uh, to, to fund. This EV future of theirs. But I think GM's in the best position here, aside from Kia, to really take advantage of the the recent uh excitement about the sector. So and it's messy. So I think that's where startups have a really good opportunity when things are really messy, right? Because when things are pretty predictable, it's the legacies, the tier ones that really, really shine. Right. So yeah, yeah I hope uh, you know, uh
2: the pandemic will actually, you know, taper away. Uh, even I
1: say that in the China case, uh, mm-hmm. we're still pretty intensive over there. I'm sure you know. You share your experience.
3: Yeah, uh, you just came back. So yeah, no, so I haven't so so been back since 2000,
1: early 2020. 2020 so so I am sure know. You know, having this type of meeting without masks on um, <laughs> is probably very enjoyable for <laughs> for you guys. Uh, oh well, I'm sure uh, you know, for me.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it is really what's the right word? Jarring. Yeah. Because living, you know, sitting in Beijing just a month ago, yeah. watching sports, you know, and seeing thousands—we just went to the Lions games Yeah, so, oh, okay. sixty thousand people. I mean, yeah, I, and, right. Yeah. So my sons were at a local school in China, and they're still wearing masks, yeah. and you know, you we have a QR code, and we have an
1: app. I heard of that. So uh, so you know, was was I'm still hoping that uh, you know this pandemic will 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 leave us. Uh, eventually, and become a non-issue. And then, what you said, excitement will come, you know, will get promoted in China. Uh, there's, you know, just uh, too much uncertainty at this very moment. I hope it will actually take her away. And in the coming years, uh, you know, everybody can benefit from the ex- excitement of technology development.
3: Yeah, well, I, I don't think pandemic is the biggest uncertainty.
0: I think it's other things. Yeah. The one thing so that we can tell you is that China EV Inc. is coming to the United States. And so I think if you have an opportunity to get some more design wins, uh, it's going to create a formidable defense for you. Because uh, and what we're hearing is it's a little more delayed than it was but Neo's already announced they're coming by 2025. And it's going to really drive a lot of UX redesign on the U.S. legacies and the technology stacks. Mm-hmm. How the Chinese EV companies deal with data privacy, data security, the chips is going to be interesting because is that going to be driven by policy? Is that going to be driven by the, the, uh, the sector, you know, the GMs and the Fords? Oh, probably a little bit of both. And we'll probably see a lot of investment from China EV Inc. in North America, so maybe Canada and Mexico, but I would say within the next three or four years, there's going to be at least five or six Chinese EV companies that have a small to
1: mid-sized presence in the United States. So I can't wait for that to happen, I mean, uh, uh, for the foreign car makers to come to the States, uh, there are many many success stories, uh, especially you know uh, like Hyundai or earlier on the Japanese uh, entering the U.S. market. Uh, and they they the Vietnamese,
3: right? the the Vietnamese, yeah, Vietnamese,
1: yeah. so
0: yeah. they they're very aggressive. And, so. and, then, and, and they became
1: you know very popular and good products mm-hmm. uh, for. They learned, yeah,
0: because the Koreans learn fast, yeah, right? The Koreans learn fast. Yeah. yeah. So uh, and and let me tell you this, this. So you, you, I don't know if you still drive a, a Tesla, but the new Neo. Et seven and et five beautiful beautiful cars so
1: no I don't drive a Tesla anymore okay.
2: <laughs> BMW <laughs> uh, right, that's, right,
0: that's right that's
2: right that's right that's right
0: so I could totally see you in an et seven let's just say that because it's it's very contemporary with, but because of the design studios in Germany yeah uh, and so um, and there's a big cult of neo investors yes
3: in, in the US yes so, so I'm I'm pretty much done. Oh, one uh, last question. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you wanna how's the balance sheet? Do you need more money? Are you? I mean, because you know manufacturing
0: right, you is so make money, but manufacturing gonna, is the most expensive
1: part, right? Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. So so uh, we kind of touched on that point a little bit. Uh, that there's a fairly recent uh, uh, announcement for Koito to oh, invest right. uh, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. another hundred million dollars. Okay. Uh, so we believe uh, we're quite well funded for the GM deployment program. Mm-hmm. So with that, uh, we're you know, already at the tail end of the deployment, and with this additional infusion of uh, capital, uh, we should be very uh, good. But we're not going to stop there, mm-hmm. right? We will capture additional design wins. Good. And we'll have another one or two big programs uh, that go through the same process. And with that, uh, we'll need more money to Do that, mm-hmm. but that's a good problem to have, yeah. And I'll deal with that when that comes.
3: So, Again. The, the announcements are forthcoming. Is that what you're saying? Uh, <laughs> was, <laughs>
2: that's, okay. no, that's too
0: much of an question, yeah.
2: So,
0: you know, uh, the, the, the weird thing is, I'm kind of looking at valuations, and Luminar is kind of worth stupid money like, right now. They're the only company that's the latter company that's like, I have no idea how they're worth so, so much money, but well,
3: you know, I mean.
0: But they they they're moving aggressively into China. In and China, they have this uh SAIC uh commercial uh the Fae fine Fay But so. they're gonna they're gonna feel and when they enter the China market, that's squeezed too because yeah, the size sure. are sure, 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 totally aggressive. We're yeah, talking so. about. yeah, I I think uh
1: you know, there's a huge push for localization of technology uh, in China. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are challenges for foreign companies, uh, get us included in there to compete in that market. Uh, we shall see. You know, uh, it's still uh, there's still some time. Uh, but coming to uh, valuation for Luminar, that's uh, you know, we have a whole session over that. <laughs> yes, yes. The
2: stock market is
1: uh, yeah, is a very different else. animal. Yeah. As uh, I have. Uh, You know, uh, since we became public, uh, there was a few weeks I had the uh, habit of watching our dog eyes every other hour. I have weaned myself out of that. It's actually totally irrelevant because I see completely irrelevant to my daily operations. Right. So stock market is its own different animal Mm -hmm. at works. So I try. You Know, of course, I have to pay attention, but I only look at it once a day now <laughs> after closing. So, uh, just letting you know, Paul
0: no, I think I, you know, know. I, you know, I just think that, um, it's pretty unpredictable because there's these retail investors that kind of atta- yeah. get attached yeah. to certain yeah. stocks that create these artificial valuations, including Tesla. So,
1: well, sure. you, you, when you were in China these years, uh, there was this, uh, GameStop. Yes.
3: uh, Yeah. yeah, yeah. Last
0: year. year, uh, year uh, He must have uh, paid attention. Well, even BYD lost 30% over the last month because Warren Buffett sold 0.6% of (laughs)
2: his
0: (laughs) holdings. So, So, June, thank you for for spending the last hour plus with us. Uh, I learned a ton. I I admittedly didn't know a lot about Septon uh, before sitting down and doing a bit of research the last couple of days. I think SEPTAN does have a very unique approach to the lidar space, and that the ADAS, the focus on ADAS, is a lot different than what I've heard from other lidar companies. So,
1: yeah, thank you again for uh, coming to our office, uh, and I really enjoy this conversation. I guess if there's a takeaway, you know, from this, I hope uh, you have an impression that SEPTAN is actually funded by engineers, mm-hmm. run by engineers, <laughs> and doing practical
0: projects. Yes. Which is pretty unique. Thank you. Thank
3: okay. you for your time. This is your co host, Lei Xing. As you've heard from Dr. Jin Pei, Septon, unlike any other LiDAR supplier, has a unique go to market approach by being a tier two supplier, supplying to a very traditional tier one supplier in Koito, which manufactures the LiDARs in Japan at a so-called Septon production line, which are in turn supplied to GM's upcoming Cadillac Celestique and other models with the Ultra Cruise driver assistance feature. Dr. Pei believes that this three-way working relationship is the best at finding that balance and sweet spot on LiDAR performance, cost, and reliability, whereas supplying a major OEM like GM on its own will be more difficult when it comes to those metrics. For Septon and many other LiDAR suppliers, it'll still be some time before they move on successfully from the current execution phase to that making money phase, and China remains elusive and Chinese competition will continue to be a factor in that process. We wish Dr. Pei and Septang the best of luck.
0: Lei and I will be sharing more of our conversations with the men and women around the world moving the EV, AV, and mobility sectors forward as part of this China EVs and More Max series. Some folks will be instantly recognizable, but some will just be people that are doing amazing things in the space that we think deserve to be highlighted. Don't worry though. Leigh and I will continue to host our live weekly China EVs and More Twitter Spaces room that summarizes that week's most important news coming out of the China EV, AV, and Mobility space. For those that can't catch the live show, you can find the China EVs and More pod on all major platforms or wherever you normally get your podcasts. As EV adoption reaches its global tipping point, it'll be even more important to stay updated on everything that's happening here. Leigh and I are confident that China EVs and more is the best resource to do that. Until next time, as always, thanks for listening.